This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Cruise Control, that car show here on BFM 89.9, where we have a billion listeners tuning in every week from all over the galaxy. My name is Rich Bradbury, and joining me, as per usual, uh, are my two friends and colleagues, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, Richard. And sorry, I have to correct you. It's a billion two. I, I apologize. Uh, 1.2 billion listeners, okay? All right, all right. And of course, Ali Johan over there in the BFM studios right now. How are you, Ali? Good evening, gentlemen. I'm well, thank you. No smart comments about the amount of listeners that we've got out there? I think we are overplaying it a bit. Uh, oh, a little bit. Okay. okay, it could be 1.1 billion then. I think Daniel's like exaggerating a little bit. Anyway, as usual, a show in three parts this week. Uh, we're starting off with uh, some uh, news and some car launches. Then we've got a discussion, um, which is a very interesting discussion about the amount of cars we have here in Malaysia. And then wrapping up, we've got a drive review of the BYD Seal. There we go. Simple as that. Take it away. Mercedes Malaysia officially unveiled the EQE SUV, which is EQE 500 4Matic, Daniel. This has got a range of 552 kilos, as well as a maximum power output of about 402 horsepowers. Yeah, so, you know, Mercedes-Benz has been just launching one after another, Yeah, EQ range. It's very easy to remember them. They all start with the word EQ, then you got EQ A, B, C, D, E. Now, this is the EQE, which also means it could be a sedan because there's an EQE sedan. But this is the 4Matic SUV, top of the range, fully loaded. I mean, when I say fully loaded, Mercedes, every new EQ model that comes out just gets better and better and better because the R&D is still going on as we speak in Germany and all of the other bases around the world. So this one comes in at 485,000 ringgit 888. This is still a Mercedes-Benz. So you got the quality, the refinement, the after sales, the warranty. And not let's not forget, Mercedes will look after their customers in any case over the years. Mm-hmm. Peugeot is also planning a big thing for next year. They are announcing the arrival of the Peugeot 408, which is fastback silhouette uh, in the C segment, plug-in hybrid, as well as um, petrol version that has 130 horsepower. It was shown recently and I think spotted on test uh, near its factory in Gurun. So that means it's coming soon, Daniel. Yes, we had a reader who sent us a picture. He spotted it just outside of Gurun. And Gurun is where... The factory for Peugeot is, it's it's a factory owned by Stellantis. Stellantis is the brand owner of Peugeot and so many other brands. They've got about 10, 11 brands. So they bought over the Gurun factory from NASA many years ago. They upgraded it, uh, modernized it and everything else. So that's going to be a regional factory. So spotting this vehicle there means it's going out to the region also. That means uh, Indonesia, Thailand, a few other countries. If you look at this picture of the 48, uh, the ones I shared on DSF, this is an amazing looking vehicle. It's nothing like the old 48. It was a dumpy sedan, okay? Mm-hmm. It wasn't unattractive, but for its time, it was okay. But as you look look back, this is like ooh, futuristic, you know? Entirely different looking car. Entirely, Entirely different looking. Yeah, It's a fastback. It's big. It's wide. It's low, it's sleek. Yes. You know, I love the look of this vehicle. I've seen it on the road in Europe. I said, my word, if this car comes here, mm. boom. Mm. But can they price it right? 
go on then. Do we have a price for it? No, we don't have a price. And well, I can't uh, I can't really give you a guesstimate because why? It's very iffy in terms of local assembly. Because once you local assemble and you got the, the national sales office here, which is Talantis, they've opened an office here, they can do a lot of magic in terms of hitting the, the, the market. I think okay, I'm gonna guesstimate. I'm not gonna give you a price, but they will come in, they will come in lower than the Japanese equivalent. Yes, they're European. But to hit the market hard, to make an impression, to give back that whole confidence in Peugeot sedans, because now the SUVs are selling well. The 2008, the 3008, the 5008. So now they need to hit that passenger market, that sedan market, which is controlled by the Japanese. Okay, And of course, now you've got a new Proton S70. So you, you're saying roughly at what price? Below the Japanese sedan. So you're looking about 130, 140. Mm. So of course, local assembly, they'll get a lot of concessions and, they're, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're giving jobs to locals and they're mm. using local mm. vendors and all that. So they'll get some tax breaks, but it will, will not be enough to make it very reasonable. Okay. But it's still a European vehicle. Right. I love the new grill on it. I've got to say, I think it's the grill that sells it to me. But there you go. That's just me. Even the SUVs are carrying the same grill uh, design. Yeah, Peugeot 408's Fastback coming to Malaysia in 2024, hopefully. Now, looking at uh, some other news in Japan, uh, Honda are preparing a, a new version of Odyssey. Uh, now, major powertrain overhaul. They have a 2-litre EHEV uh, hybrid system on the Odyssey. It still looks very family, wagony type, Daniel. Yes, you see, the Odyssey is actually not a small vehicle. Odyssey is the size of a Toyota Alpha, except it's got a lower roof line. I don't know if you guys remember the older Odyssey was even flatter, you know, and mm. longer and wider. Mm. Uh, they've never had a big, square, boxy vehicle. Honda has always maintained the Odyssey to be something more sleek, something more streamlined, something more desirable uh, for a different segment of people. Those who like boxy vehicles, of course, go for the Alpha and the Wellfire. And even uh, there's another vehicle called the Honda Elcyon, uh, which Honda doesn't bring in, but, you know, a great importer used to bring in. That's big and boxy. Mm. So the Odyssey is slightly, you know, a, a lower variant because the Elcyon uses a much bigger engine. So this Odyssey, I think, because it's 2-litre and it's using the new EHEV engine, the same kind of engine technology which we saw with the Civic and the and the new HRV, I think they're going to bring in this vehicle. Maybe it'll be fully imported. It won't be priced as high as an Alpha. It'll probably be around 250 260 270 give or take, you know. Uh, there will be enough buyers, but it'll not be the same group of people who look for Alphards. That is the only sad part. Because mm. I think this is a much better looking vehicle. News piece of the week comes from China because Wuling Motors, uh, they just launched their first EV in Thailand and it's called the Air EV. It is the size of what used to be the Smart for Two eco vehicle. Um, mm. But it's an EV, Daniel. Yeah, it's a full electric vehicle. Uh, Wuling actually uh, has been seen in the last one year testing in Malaysia. I still don't know under which company um, uh, it was spotted. A couple of pictures were taken. Uh, it, it's so... Uh, how shall I put this nicely on radio? Ugly. I, I was going to say, if you don't want to say it, I will. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Yes. When I saw it at the Thai Motor Expo two weekends ago, I thought it's going to be an empty stand. But it was quite a number of people there. It's a cheap commuter car. It's an electric car. It is the most affordable compact EV out there. And you know, there, there are so many brands and cars like this coming out of China because when I was in China, I saw small EVs like this. And you know, you can see single people or you know, older people using it. It's like when you go to UK, you know, you, you see the, the old age pensioners using those little, I call it granny carts, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, battery power. They've been using it for the last 10, 15 years. They go to the supermarket and all that. Yeah. This is now a slightly bigger version because, you know, cover from the rain and everything else. But mm. my worry is this. When you bring in something this cheap and cheerful, you flood the market. They don't have enough charging power. Driving distance is about 170 kilometers or so. Mm. Uh, no, that's all fine. How long will it last? Three, four years down the line when it's all gone, where are they going to be dumped? And what we were talking about last week about, you know, cars becoming disposable almost. and Exactly. So even where... Yeah, even though it's 50,000 ringgit and you use it for three to four years, you want to dump it or so, where are you going to dump it? Right. Who's no, going to want it? Nobody will want it. You see, at least with a with the old cheap national car, there will be still someone in the village who wants it. But this one, the, even the village people can't take because the battery has gone kaput, mm, mm. and you can't change the battery because the battery is probably thirty thousand ringgit. Aye, uh, that was the Wuling Air EV. Anyway, um, if you trust me, go Google this car, go and have a look, and then you, you'll see that we're not being out of order entirely. We do need to take a short break though, uh, whilst we let our blood level cool a little bit and our blood pressure move down. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have a bit of a discussion about. Uh, the amount of cars that we he- have here in Malaysia. You tune into Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury, of course, with Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Now that we've cooled down after speaking so much about the Wuling thing, the Wuling thing, that's what I'm going to call it from now on, uh, we've got a bit of a discussion uh, about how many cars we have here in Malaysia. Now, the population of Malaysia, estimated as of last year, was what? 32 point something million, correct? Correct. 32.4. That was what the information was shared with us. Right. So, uh, Daniel, I guess you, you should probably tell us this story. Okay. We, when we saw this in the national news, we, we were... We were not surprised, but you know, we were thinking, okay, this will make an interesting topic of discussion. Like, 32 million people in Malaysia. Uh, mm. I mean, I, I think also, you know, they, they include some foreign workers and, and expats working here, like like Richard, you know, uh, uh-huh. uh, who, who need transportation, some of them buy cars and all that. But there's 36.3 million registered vehicles. Wow. Now, registered vehicles means, that means these cars are still roadworthy. Okay, because if they're not registered, that means they're not roadworthy. They're probably scrapped or, you know, burnt out or, or accident damage or whatever. So if you've got an excess of almost 4 million extra cars over population, that's a bit weird because, you see, out of the 32.4 million, you have to include babies, uh, young adults, <laughs> old age pensioners, you know? So what I did was, after I, I read this article, I drove to Bangsai. I went past your house to see how many cars are in your house, Richard. And, you know, I only saw one car. Yes, so, and it's, it's currently sat in the driveway. So you got one car and then a few other houses are two cars, two cars, two cars. So that's about average, you know, two cars, three cars, four cars, depending on how many adults in the house drive. Hmm. But when I went up the hill to a few of the bungalow houses, yes, yes, I saw like 12, 13, 14, 15 cars in the house. <laughs> Didn't you? So Did you, you speak to my neighbors as well. You say hi. I, I, I didn't want to say hi because, you know, they know that I know you. So... This is why we have more cars than humans registered in Malaysia. This is crazy, though. But I think it's the same in UK. No, it cannot, the same cannot be. Cannot be. 
I mean, okay, UK population, I'm sure if you check and see the number of registered cars, I'm sure it'll be more than the population. Because you have a lot of rich people in UK who are having four or five cars in their driveway or in their garage or in storage. And then you have those who live in the country who have, who have a tractor, a couple of lorries. Are we including tractors now, are we? Yeah, you know, a couple of off-road vehicles, the old Defenders, plus they got their city Range Rover, you know. I mean, any developed car market, not developed uh, nation, developed car market, it means people who are car crazy, who understand cars, who love cars, you'll have this unusual count. I don't know. I think policies definitely had some kind of impact on the amount of cars that we have in this country. What policies can it be? I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I can't say anything. I have to sit on the fence on this one. Okay. You know exactly what I'm talking yes. about. You're trying to be a politician. Don't do it. <laughs> and, and you know, cars here are expensive. We're one of the most expensive car markets in the world. Yeah. And yet we have so many cars. So right. why do you think people are keep holding on to these cars? That's another question, okay? Because okay. a lot of them will be old cars. I mean, for example, let's let's not go far. Let's go to Kuala Slango or Sakinchan or Ijok, you know, the slightly outskirts of Slango. You see in the villages, cars everywhere, in, un, you know, under the village house, you know, those elevated houses, kampong yeah. houses. They'll be having extra cars. After a certain point, you can't sell these cars. The That's value true. is very low. That's and true. then there's no one to buy them because they'll say, oh, I'd rather buy a slightly newer car. So they just keep running them or, you know, just pay the minimum road tax and insurance. The other problem is also, in Malaysia, we don't have, like in Singapore, a car scrapping scheme. True, true, yeah. If they had a car scrapping scheme, that means not mandatory. You see, a lot of times the government said, oh, we want to do mandatory. And people started screaming, how can you do this? I love my car. I don't want to let it go. For example, a retired school headmaster who drives an old Toyota Corolla. It's mm. 30 years old. But he's driving perfectly. He's on a mm. pension. Mm. He just needs to go to the Surau and, and, and the grocery shop and his place of worship and maybe once in a while visit a friend in the coffee shop. Mm. The car works perfectly fine. Why would he want to sell it? Or scrap it rather? Yeah. But if there was a scrapping policy which is not mandatory, the retired school master might say, mm, I might scrap my Toyota Corolla because I'm getting 5,000 ringgit or 3,000 ringgit or whatever money for it to buy me a new Perdua or Proton or Toyota or a better second-hand car. Mm. So, car scrapping should start in Malaysia at some point. Don't make it mandatory. And then find a nation because you have to send the car somewhere, right? You can't just disassemble it. Like okay. in Singapore, in Singapore, I'm just they, where you're going to go with this argument. I'm, I'm waiting for the end of this. Yeah. I'm so for like, like yeah. Singapore scrap cars, where do they go? They go to Australia, New Zealand, yeah. some parts of Africa. So let's find some parts of Africa where okay. it's right and drive. Where uh -huh. a poorer nation, a poorer nation needs cars, right? Right. So you can send it there, and then you know there'll be some value to it. But is it worthwhile? To somebody, of course, yes. Exactly, but you have to put in the cost of logistics, handling, sending the vehicle there, the person there handling the car. So again, the government initiative should be, what can we do with this? Mm, mm. Or you have a huge re car recycling program, a huge car recycling program, which we already have with Basi Burofilas and Junkyard guys. But can you expand it where the part will actually be sent overseas for other markets to use also? Because like in Japan they are surviving on a huge car recycling and junkyard business mm. which comes here goes to Thailand goes to Indonesia go, even goes to Singapore Australia New Zealand mm. you have people from these countries lining up in Japan to buy these scrap cars and parts 
you know so the japanese have done a very good way of doing it and also they 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 put down a very simple thing like you got class a scrap class b class c class d class e and all these have got different price variations if they can do something like that in malaysia employ someone who's doing it in japan and figure out a system here let's not reinvent the wheel let's do it like how they do it in japan bananas fleets yes ah. you know and then you have non mandatory class scrapping being accepted by Malaysians and you can even extend it to motorcycles what do you benefit from it being non mandatory though how how does it benefit us all this metal is leaving the country ah okay you see okay. right now you see it in in okay if you go to any gated community i'm mm. talking about a normal not a five star gated community in the side street you'll see some cars scrapped for sure huh yeah. grass yeah. growing around it and everything else you yeah. go into a deserted field you'll find at least 30 40 cars sitting down there yeah Yeah. You go into some big workshops outside the workshop, lying in state. Mm. Then you go to to government, uh, town council, uh, 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 landfills. Okay, you see cars being thrown there because why? These are cars left at the side of the road. They they pick it up. The town council picks it up, tries to contact the owner. The, the owner doesn't want to claim the car. They just throw it away. There's one ten meters down the road from me, a Celica. Uh, sorry, Supra. I see a Supra, mm. a very desirable car. Mm. So why is it left like that? I don't know. It's just literally at the side of the street. It's been there years mm. since so, I've moved in. Exactly. Yeah. So why do you have people doing this? Now maybe the owner has passed. Maybe the owner mm. is not interested. Maybe the owner has got no money to restore the car. I've seen beautiful old classic cars sitting in houses, rotting away. And I've gone, you know, ting tong. Hello, sir. Would you like to sell a car? No, no, no. I'm about to restore it. Ten years later. Hello, sir. Ah, uh, I'm <laughs> getting parts for it. True story, yeah. Three times. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that every car restorer though? Yeah. <laughs> All three times it was owners of Alphas. Oh really? Yes. Two GTVs and one Julia refused ah. to sell. Till today they refuse to sell but they're holding on to the cars. I don't mm-hmm. blame them. There's a love for it. Mm. But what's going to happen to the car? It's going to end up just in worse condition. Yeah. At the point where it can't be restored. So this is the problem. Now if there was a scrapping system or some point of, you know, where the owner can take the car and get some money immediately, he might be tempted to say okay, at least I get 3000 ringgit, you know, settle my credit card bill or go on a cruise. buy myself a nice holiday but end of the day now we don't have that all right okay you know? okay we should probably ask listeners what they think let's get some feedback on this i'm yes, curious to yes. know what they think about this idea um if you're if you have an interest in this and you want to comment on this uh topic get in touch with our show via whatsapp 0187898899 you can get us on x we are at bfm radio uh, and we'll have a bit of a catch up on this uh, when you guys give us some feedback meanwhile though let's take a short break then we can have a bit of a review of the byd seal when we come back after these messages here on bfm 89.9 the business station BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to the third and final part of Cruise Control this week. Um, we've had our uh, launches. We've had some news. We've had a discussion about how there are more cars than people here in Malaysia. That's a crazy statistic. Now, though, finally, to wrap up the show, it's a car review. The BYD Seal. Uh, is it the most talked about electric vehicle right now? Is it, Daniel? So now... I'm going to you know uh, remind you of my guesstimate huh? my my guesstimate Oh yes 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 in June this year in June this year which is almost 6 months ago June 15 actually I wrote an article 
giving a guesstimate for the BYD Dolphin, which has already been launched, from 130,000. My guesstimate was on the dollar. Ah. And then I also guesstimated, guesstimated the price of the BYD Seal, which has just been previewed in Malaysia this week. The Seal is a bigger sedan, full-size sedan. It's actually the same size as the Tesla Model 3. If you want to relate it to a, a normal car, I would say it's a size of a Honda Civic or a Toyota Corolla Altis, you know? Yeah. It's a nice size car, uh, maybe slightly bigger than both those models I mentioned. It's also a premium vehicle. Now, at that time, in June, we guesstimated a price from 180,000 ringgit. Now, why 180,000 is because there are actually four variants of this vehicle. There's a two-wheel drive and a four-wheel drive and there's four different power, power ranges and also interior features and things like that. Okay? okay? Because the electric cars, they all come with, you know, different, different configurations. So now, BYD seal has been previewed in Malaysia and the indicated price is from 180,000 ringgit. Oh, hello. Right on the money like myself. Well I'm, done, happy well say, done. I'm, I'm happy to say that, you know, I'm, I'm doing a good job in guesstimating. Like that. Mm. Anyway, that's not the major story. The major story is I was invited to China by BYD a few months ago. Everything was under embargo until now because they said, wait until we, we preview the car in Malaysia before you write about it. So they took us to Zhuhai, China. Have you been to Zhuhai? Uh, I didn't get to Zhuhai, no. Okay. Zhuhai, big city. Uh, part of it is old. Part of it is new. Most important thing is Zhuhai has a racetrack. It's a very popular racetrack. Uh, I've been to Zhuhai a few times before for the ASEAN Le Mans. I've been there for the Audi R8 races. I've been there for Porsche Carrera Cup. Um, these are all, you know, me watching the races, not getting on the track. This time, BYD took the whole track. They invited a whole bunch of media from the region, the whole of Asia, and they gave us a chance to take the car out on the racetrack. Oh, okay. And? And the best part was, it was raining cats and dogs. Ah. So that means we get to actually try this car in almost the worst elements, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, wet track, electric car, uh, no no spectators. So if you do something wrong, nobody's going to laugh or take a TikTok video of you. <laughs> we took the car out. And the first thing I got to say, like, this, this BYD seal, all, already the current BYD range of vehicles in Malaysia, the Dolphin and the Atto, have very nice interiors, you know? Not high quality interiors, but for the price range between you know a hundred thousand, the, the the cheapest model is ninety nine thousand, right up to about hundred and seventy thousand. They have pretty decent interiors, leather, good quality plastics. Uh, interior features are nice. Safety features are good. Um, of course, you got the the battery system, which is what BYD is famous for. BYD started as a battery company, and you know then they moved on to building cars. Uh, so BYD is build your dreams. So they know what they're doing. Okay. If you talk about electric cars today, I think we've mentioned this before, the magic is in the battery, okay? Because motors, anybody can do it, right? Yeah. There's so yeah. many motor suppliers around the world. When I say motors, I'm talking about electric motors, not an engine. So as a full electric car, the biggest the biggest drawback or the biggest uh, positive, you know, uh, foot forward is the battery. Right. That is the selling point. If you've got the best battery in the world, you've got the best driving range, the longest lasting battery, the best software management system, everything else. So mm. BYD has got it. Mm. Because they started from that. That and It's like, for example, talking to the people who build the VTEC engine, Honda, many years mm. ago. Mm. Okay? And then suddenly they decided, okay, we stopped building engines, now we build a car. You know? Mm. So you start from the engine. So BYD, uh, battery systems. So now you've got the SEAL. The SEAL, like I said, is a, is a big sedan. 
It's very well built. And because it's an electric car, as you know, electric cars, the battery sit at the bottom, at the floor pan. So mm. this means you've got more room inside the cabin. You don't have the center tunnel, you know. You know, whether it's four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive, you don't have the center tunnel because you don't have mechanisms going from front to back, you know. All you mm. have is four motors or two motors, battery system sitting at the bottom, and you've got all this wiring system working in. So it's a fantastic system to have if you like big cabin space in not-so-big vehicles. Mm. So cabin space is good. This means three people can sit at the back without the center person having a problem putting their feet where, you know. Okay, yeah. In front, also, you have nice space. But the biggest um, plus point, I thought, when I got into the SEAL, um, okay, it's a good-looking car. You, you've seen pictures of it. It's a good-looking car. I have, and, and, and I was surprised to find out who designed it as well. Who? Who? Tell me. Uh, a guy called Wolfgang Egger. He designed the Alfa Romeo 8C Competizione. Mm. Uh, he designed stuff for Audi, Lamborghini, uh, for Alfa, Seat, Lancia. He, he's been around a bit. You know, he's a yeah. very, very smart designer. So something like this confirms that how a car manufacturer like BYD has not skimped on hiring the best when it comes to right. looks. Okay? Yeah. So you got a car that looks very international. Yeah. I mean, this car can sit in, you know, whether in America or Europe or Asia, and it'll be easily accepted by, by consumers. Mm, mm. Okay? Nice, clean shape. Very, very forward-thinking in terms of design language. Because why? It won't go dull in five, six, seven years' time. Mm. And it's easy to work on this design in terms of improvement. You know, mm. like maybe a facelift in three years or whatever. Anyway, we are not talking about the design. I'm talking about the cabin. When I got into the cabin, first impression, I loved it. And I loved it not because it was fancy, it was gimmicky, it's got a big screen. I always put all that aside because that is not my my um, selling point for me, you know? Yeah. Some people love the big screen. Some people like the elevator screen. Some people like you know screens that swivel, like what BYD does. They swivel the screens. I like quality, fit, and finish. Mm. And that's what impressed me. Touch and feel points feels high quality. You sit in the car, you you know, right down to the roof lining, it's all high quality. If you took away all the BYD badges on the inside of the car, I could have been sitting in something from Germany. That's what I'm trying to say. I know it's a it's a big push when I say this, but BYD has really pushed the the, the envelope. You know. Can I, can I give you some more news as well? Yes, tell me. Interior designer was the design manager for Mercedes Benz. Like I said, very European. You know. <laughs> but you see, you 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 can get the best designers. You can get the designers from Mercedes Benz or Audi or BMW or Porsche. Yeah. But can you get? the same kind of material at the right price that, point. That's the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So someone yeah. can draw it out. Come, someone can say, hey, Richard, you know, I want to do this, uh, blah, 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 blah. And Richard can supply the design. But then Ali comes along and says, no, I'm an accountant and I'm saying it's too expensive. Cut, 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 cut. You know, let's yeah. use grade C instead of grade A. But this yeah. one, they said, no, we'll use grade A. Mm. So you can tell that BYD has got something up their sleeve when they designed this car and they said, okay, we're going to make this a global electric sedan. They want to challenge the Europeans. They're coming out with their fists up, aren't they? Exactly. So you got that German designer, you got that Mercedes-Benz cabin designer, plus mm. you got this high-quality material fit and finish, and then you got BYD battery. You know. So we get in the car. Uh, there, there's a, there's a, there's, of course, there's a, uh, you know, chaperone to make sure that we don't get silly on the, on the track with us. We get going. And it's a fantastic...
fantastic. And I use the word fantastic because it's fast, it's communicative, it handles well. I, I've driven a lot of electric cars. Right now, my count is 21 different electric cars. Okay. Wow. 21 different electric cars in Malaysia and also overseas. If I put all this together, this was one of the most memorable drives simply because in my experience, I've driven four electric cars on a track. Whether it's Sepang or Zuhai or another track, I've driven on track. Now, when you drive an electric car on a track, the whole idea is to show performance, handling and everything else. We know electric cars handle well because they're heavy. Mm. Because the battery is more. We know they have the great center of center of gravity uh, handling point. We know that these cars have four-wheel drive, you know, uh, in the high-spec versions. So that adds also with the handling. And, you know, um, the competitors are also four-wheel drive, some of them. But when you get on a wet track, of course, we want to hold back. Because why? We are in a, we are in a foreign country. We don't want to cause any problems. And you don't want to break anything. We don't want to break anything and get held back, you know. Yes, yes. So we were a bit conservative in the first run. And they said, no, you can go. I'm sure you can you can handle this car. And as we went faster, we realized that this car was holding its ground. This car was actually doing very well around the corners, even in the wet and rainy circuit. So I came back thinking, I came back to the to the to the to the you know uh, to the uh, starting area, and then I got out of the car and I thought to myself, now this is an electric car I want to have in my house. Ooh, okay, you know? yeah. This is something that I would like to invest in. Now there are some other electric cars, premium brands who can match this. The problem is, they are much more expensive. Mm. And, and here's my, 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 my thought process is this. A lot of electric cars now, even though the Europeans are doing it in Europe, but the parts are coming from China. Mm. So why is that huge price premium? Why is that not, not 30,000, 40,000 price premium? I'm talking about 100,000, 200,000 yeah. price premium. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think what Tesla has done is fantastic. They've managed to bring the price down, 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 down to force some of these people to bring their prices down, 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 down. Mm. And still, they are making money. I mean, if, if I'm just going to go on Lux alone, the right. BYD seal is a very good-looking vehicle. Yes. And if I didn't tell you it was an electric car, you probably think it's a normal petrol-powered, you know, three-liter V6, you know? It, it's it's almost... I mean, and, and if you squint a little bit, mm -hmm. it's got like a high can kind of look to it almost maybe mm, yeah yeah do you know I what i mean there, yeah. a, a little bit yes but then again, i don't i don't know yeah and the interior looks gorgeous yeah interior looks gorgeous it's got high quality touch and feel points uh right down to even you know you know power window switches grab handles uh they've done it they've done it and you know i, I always like to do this you no know, i always lift the mat the floor mat to see what kind of carpet they use <laughs> mm -hmm. because quality cars use quality carpet and they got quality carpet on this you know, they didn't overlook it, you know. And is it coming to Malaysia then? It is in Malaysia. It's they already here. Oh. Yeah, they, they did a preview a couple of days ago uh, on the weekend, yeah. uh, three days ago. Massive preview, massive attendance. They got in a lot of customers in, took a lot of bookings. They're not sharing with us the numbers. Um, the complete launch will be early next year with the with the price confirmation. Indicated price is from 180000 The high spec version is 260000 Now, even at 260000 um, I know that the immediate rival Tesla Model 3 is slightly cheaper. But mm. when you see what this car delivers and the fact that it comes from, you know, the fit and finisher is on par with the Europeans. Yeah. Well, whereas Tesla does not have that fit and finish that, that gives me confidence, you know? Yeah. It may yeah. last. It may last. 
But it just when you get in the car, it feels cheap. The plastic feels cheap. The roof liner and everything else. I can understand because why? They've been bringing the price down, down, down. They want to hit a certain market. That's also why they started, started manufacturing in China, right? Mm, mm. Because a lot of the parts come from there. So, BYD seems to be the only real rival right now. And if you look at the seal, even at 30,000 premium, if, it, if at all, for the high-spec version, I would say yes. Yeah, it's, it's a tempting thing, isn't it? Next year, it's going to be officially uh, ready with the price and everything else. If you have not bought an electric car or if you're thinking of buying an electric car and your budget is below 300000 and you've been going to the Tesla showroom and having a look and getting excited, just think about this as an option. Just yeah. think about this as an option. Now, if you don't want a sedan, because some people just don't want a sedan, of course, you've got Smart Hashtag One, you've got Mercedes EQB, you've got other options out there, you know? But if you want a sedan and you want an electric car and you want something with very good performance, I mean, this does 0 to 103.3 seconds. You know, it's insane. You know? And and it delivers the power very linear, very smooth, without any, any, any hesitation at all. It's won a bunch of awards as well, hasn't it? Yes. Well, there you go then. Well, what do we say to that? Yeah, we say Merry Christmas. We say Merry Christmas. Uh, and yeah, a happy having, new year um, that's us wrapping up uh, don't go anywhere we will still be here but we're giving you as Ali said some of our favourite reviews from the year uh, we'll see you in the new year folks uh, all that remains is uh, happy Christmas for those that are celebrating and happy new year and all that kind of stuff and we'll see you shortly this has been Cruise Control the car show here on BFM 89.9 the business station listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.